Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. It's Thursday, the 28th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, exclusive reporting on the ousted hedge fund manager Chris Bonodi, who's been joking about his accusers in taped conversations. The US Department of Justice steps up its probe into UBS over suspected sanctions breaches by Credit Suisse. And taking a walk on the wild side, we look at one investor's bid to make rewilding a multi-billion dollar trade. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The ousted hedge fund manager Crispin Odie told a private investigator he was being targeted by the, quote, woke brigade when 13 women first accused him of sexual misconduct. Bloomberg's Will Shaw obtained a recording of that conversation. In late June, a couple of weeks after the allegations began, he contacted um, a private investigator called Seth Friedman, who previously done work for Harvey Weinstein. Chris Benodi speaks very frankly about the case against him. He says, Harvey had access to a lot of so much more attractive girls, I have to tell you, during that call. He says, if you lose an arm, you only get 10 grand, you know. If someone touches you on the bottom, you might be able to get 100 grand. He also complains about his treatment by the media and says he's been targeted by the woke brigade. Speaking to Will Shaw about the recording, Crispin Odie said, quote, it was very early in that journey, but I still think reducing 17 minutes to three soundbites is mean. He declined to discuss the situation further with Bloomberg. Two of the hedge fund manager's alleged victims have filed a lawsuit against him and his former firm. Odie refutes those claims and the other allegations that have been levelled against him. The US Department of Justice has stepped up its probe into Credit Suisse and UBS over suspected compliance failures that allowed Russian clients to evade sanctions. Bloomberg's Hugo Miller broke the story. When you onboard, to use the bank jargon, a client, uh, or when you offboard a client, you, you have to make sure that you're doing the necessary compliance. And in this case, as we've seen in, in a number of other cases with Credit Suisse, in this case, what the DOJ suspects is that there were just some fundamental failures of due diligence that allowed the bank, primarily Credit Suisse, to continue to provide banking services for sanctioned Russians. Hugo Miller says that the probe is still at an early stage and may not result in charges or a settlement. However, that wasn't enough to prevent volatile moves in UBS's share price, which dropped by close to 8% before recovering some of those losses. The world's most indebted property developer, the China Evergrande Group, has suspended trading in Hong Kong. With more, here's Bloomberg's Brian Curtis. 
No reason given for the halt. It comes a day after sources told us Evergrande's chairman, Hui Kaiyan, was taken away by police. Hui is said to be under residential surveillance. It comes at a delicate time for the big developer. Evergrande has scrapped key creditor meetings and revealed that it cannot issue new bonds. That's a setback to a planned restructuring and would seem to suggest an existential crisis. In Hong Kong, Brian Curtis, Bloomberg Radio. The SEC is reportedly finalising settlements with about two dozen Wall Street firms to resolve investigations into lapses in record-keeping. Reuters cites sources saying that these settlements are with uh, the investment advisors and broker-dealers. Fines have already topped $2.5 billion over the regulator's two-year crackdown on traders' uses of WhatsApp and other unofficial messaging apps. A shutdown of the US government looks increasingly likely, with Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy calling for major changes to border policy to appease his rebels. Even his Senate ally Mitch McConnell drew a line. What we're focusing on here in the Senate is to try to keep the government open, to try to continue to pay the people who are essential to our security, like air traffic controllers, border patrol, Capitol Police. McConnell's and McCarthy's lack of unity makes any deal with the president unlikely. The government will start to run out of funding on Sunday. Unlike the debt limit crisis earlier this year, the economic damage is initially mild and builds over time. Now, a report suggests that UK home buyers are grabbing the biggest discounts in five years as the market reels from higher interest rates. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has more. The average discount to asking price for newly agreed home sales is now nearly 5% in London and South East England as buyers flex their negotiating power. According to property website Zoopla, that's the highest in the country and compares with a discount of 2.8% for sales elsewhere. Separate survey data from KPMG suggests more than 20% of UK mortgage holders are now considering selling up after the rapid rise in borrowing costs. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Radio. Apple Apple iPhone 15 Pro users are complaining that the device can get too hot to handle, setting a potential setback for the company's flagship product. Consumers say that the high temperatures in the newest iPhone 15 models happen during use or while charging. Apple says the issue could stem from the iPhone's intensive setup process. Now, we haven't had pandas in the news for a while, which I think is a terrible shame, frankly. (laughs) Um, But our colleagues have a fascinating story about how all of the pandas in American zoos are going back to China because they're all there on loan, part of panda diplomacy, as it was known. uh, But their time essentially is up. And by December, uh, the likes of the the three pandas that are in the Washington National Zoo uh, are going to be going back to China. Yeah, I mean, if you are a panda lover, of course, you'll know that the Edinburgh Zoo has the same issue. It's, It's going to send back two pandas at the end of this year also. I mean, basically, it's... There is a question mark about, we. I mean, we know that panda diplomacy is used by China to sort of reward uh, friends and perhaps punish foes. So how much is this about US-China relations? Uh, how much is it simply, you know, part of the contractual agreement? I did not actually understand that all pandas in the world actually belong to China and all of their offspring. And they're effectively sort of given to zoos around the world because they're a huge attraction for visitors, mm. uh, you know, the, the cuddly and lovable as they are, um, but actually, yeah. and yes, huge merchandising opportunities. But they're effectively rented. The zoos have to pay China, you know, for the pleasure of hosting them. Uh, and so, yeah. Although, of course, when the producer this morning asked me about 
pandas or we discussed pandas. I just thought he was talking about panda bombs. I didn't. <laughs> I, I clearly am. I have, I'm too deep into finance. This is you undominated. Come back, bonds. Caroline. Yeah, You've gone over go. the cliff. Come back. <laughs> right. Uh, let's turn to another story that we're following for you this morning, and this is the news around UBS. Their shares declining by as much as seven point nine percent after Bloomberg reported that the U.S. Department of Justice had stepped up its probe into Credit Suisse and UBS over suspected compliance failures that allowed Russian clients to evade sanctions. Joining us now to explain the story is Bloomberg Swiss banking reporter Marion Haftermeyer. Marion, great to have you with us on this story. Explain to us how did the Department of Justice probe begin? Morning. Yes. So basically back in uh, the spring of this year, the Department of Justice had been already looking into the Swiss banks and their roles with uh, Russian assets and whether there was potential um, breaches of sanctions um, at the time. And so essentially at the time, they sent a series of subpoenas just to get more information. And what we understand is that that now has developed into a bigger, wider scale investigation and more specifically into Credit Suisse. So what do we know about it so far? What are the risks attached? So at the moment, it looks like it's just information gathering. Um, UBS has been briefed by um, the DOJ in the US because, of course, UBS now owns Credit Suisse. Um, and so it's just an ongoing inquiry. We're, we're not sure exactly what parts of the businesses they're looking at and what exactly they've found so far. But we do know that they're looking into possible compliance failures at, at, at both banks. Um, and that would obviously come with, with very serious consequences if they had been find that. Marion, this news underlines really the legal headaches that UBS has after its hasty merger with Credit Suisse. It does in some instances. So UBS has has had a good look at the docket, so to speak, of Credit Suisse legal cases and, and potential legal cases. Um, and so part of when they bought Credit Suisse, they did do some provisioning for some of these legal cases. So from, from what I expect, UBS is somewhat aware of the, the high risk here. Um, that being said, since this is an ongoing inquiry, they don't necessarily have an idea of the size and scale of what this means for Credit Suisse legally and what it means for themselves legally. So it does underscore one of the challenges of this very complicated merger. Mm. What about government relations? You report some frustration actually on, on a government level uh, more around the Swiss authorities. Yeah, so historically, um, the U.S. and Swiss geopolitically um, have not always seen eye to eye when it comes to the banks. Um, you'll you'll remember, you know, there was a, a series of tax evasion settlements with the Swiss banks over uh, U.S. citizens um, hiding money in Switzerland to evade uh, U.S. taxes. So there have been frustrations in the past on on Swiss Swiss banks sort of cooperating with authorities in the U.S. over issues like this. Um, and so it looks like they're, they're sort of targeting bilateral conversations with the banks directly for the moment rather than going through government um, government routes. Um, yeah. And, you know, the Swiss haven't necessarily done everything that the U.S. would expect them of, uh, of them to, you know, make sure these uh, sanctions against Russia ha- have been enforced. What has the bank said about all of this? So the bank doesn't generally comment on these um, these types of investigations, but generally, from what we understand, UBS has been cooperating with any requests the GOJ has had, um, and you know they'll be quite keen to make sure that they that they come to a good resolution on this because that would be problematic otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 
Marion, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Bloomberg Swiss banking reporter Marion Halftermeyer there on the latest when it comes to the UBS Credit Suisse merger. The Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork, and it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Now, you've probably heard of rewilding. The successful entrepreneur behind Solar Sentry, Jeremy Leggett, is now betting on the nascent nature recovery or rewilding industry on a 3,500-acre estate in Scotland. Now, joining us now to discuss is Bloomberg's ESG reporter, Natasha White. Natasha, great to have you with us. This project has attracted quite a bit of attention. Can you explain exactly what it is? We kind of delve into Leggett's a one man's venture to make money out of nature restoration or kind of rewilding. And this is something that's historically been in the domain of of governments and NGOs. Um, But like you said, Leggett, who's the founder of one of the UK's most successful solar firms, Solar Century, has kind of set his sights on this, what he calls nascent nature recovery industry. And so he's been buying up estates across Scotland, most recently Taviallic earlier this year, um, with a view to kind of re- return them to their to their former former glory. And he sort of sees this nature recovery, this rewilding industry as, as akin to kind of, well, he calls it Groundhog Day. So he witnessed the boom in renewables in the 1990s. And he's looking at this sector and saying, you know, kind of betting that that's, that's, this is the next big thing. Mm. Um, but we kind of delve into the tensions that he's experiencing in, in doing so. Yeah, I suppose what have you unearthed about why he's p- pursuing this what his um what his bet is about yeah so i think what's different here is is he's this is all about biodiversity so we all know about the climate crisis but i think less is known or less airtime is given to the the crisis in nature the biodiversity crisis you know we all know there's less bugs on our windscreen and there's less bees on our flowers um but there was a report just that just came out today on the state of nature in the uk and in scotland which had some really kind of abysmal abysmal statistics and so governments globally are are you know increasingly looking at this problem there was a big pact a nature pact in december last year in montreal that's kind of been dubbed akin to the paris agreement um whereby um representatives from almost 200 countries committed to um, halting and reversing biodiversity loss by by 2030 and are starting to put in in the groundwork for doing so and one aspect there of course is the money um, so um, there's not enough money coming from governments to to address this problem and so the, the private sector is being called called upon to, to play its part um, but it's also it's, you know it's historically been quite a tricky problem about how how do you make money out of of, of nature protection and, and restoration and what Leggett's eyeing um, with his venture is is this nascent biodiversity credits market. 
Okay. And, and how, I mean, how nascent is that market? Where are the opportunities that lie within it? At the moment, it's it's very small. There's um, There are regulated what's called biodiversity offset markets in a number of countries. Um, England is, is due to, has one that's due to enter into force. Well, it was due to enter into force in November. It's just recently been delayed until I think early in the new year. So these are biodiversity offset markets where, for example, if you're looking to big, build, build houses or dig a mine, you have to, you're regulated to compensate at least 100%, if not more, for your impacts on nature. So those exist at national levels. And, you know, Leggett is betting that Scotland will soon introduce a, a similar law um, there and is in kind of conversations with policymakers about that. But he's also looking at this international market for, bio, for, for biodiversity credits where, mm. um, can, you know, can, if, a, if a company wants to build a, a mine in Kenya, it can go and buy credits from from Leggett in Scotland to compensate for those impacts. Um, and that's that's nascent, but there's, you know, the statistics out there that, that suggest it could reach 35 billion by, by 2050, um, which is, you know, 15 times the size of the carbon market right now. So some people are eyeing this market and are, are quite bullish about its potential. Briefly, though, uh, domestically within Scotland, Leggett's um, up against some opposition, though. There's, there's like broad, you know, different broad brushes of, 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 of issues here. First is that, you know, people are pushing back about on whether nature conservation and restoration is really the domain of the private sector or is whether it's something that's better dealt with by governments. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.